You're listening to Selling the Dream. This isn't an interview and we're not journalists, but each week we'll ask our guests to open up and share their secrets to business success. Let's have a conversation and have some fun. Hey everybody, welcome to Selling the Dream, a podcast where we talk about sales, we talk about motivation, we talk about success, we talk about all kinds of stuff on this show. I'm Ken Jordan and uh, my my host, my co-host is Joe Iredell. What's up, Joe? Yeah, Kenny. What's up, brother? We're have to, we're flipping the script today a little bit. We're going to turn the tables. Normally, we, we ask all the questions. Today, we're going to invite our friend Josh Irons in. He's going to ask all the questions. And and we know the rules, right? You're not allowed to lie, right? you got to be sincere, and you can't take yourself too seriously. So let's see if he can draw out some embarrassing stuff in uh, in our in our conversations here. We're going to call it story time. I'm just going to look. Same here. Same here. I'm going to need you to carry me today, Joe. I'm I'm beat, man. I'm tired. Yeah. 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 How come? There we go. I thought you weren't going to ask me why, but <laughs> <laughs> I'm a good setup guy, bro. Come on. So I actually just got done a long run. I, I there, there's two kinds of people in this world: people that sign up for a marathon so that they can say they signed up for a marathon, and people who finish a marathon. And at this moment, I am person number one. <laughs> I'm fighting to get to person number two. My marathon's on November twentieth. And, uh, oh, you got plenty today of time. Was, today was a setback, man. It was, it was, today was hard. I don't know what it was. Oh. Today was hard. All you got to do is run. How hard yeah. is that? How hard could it be? That's not a script. That's practice. How far did you get today? 11 and a half today. And how far is a marathon? 26.2. Ah, and, you, and you have a month? You're fine. It's <laughs> a Beelies, dude. Yeah, some yeah. Beelies. Just run a little bit, slide a little bit. You're good. Dude. You're like halfway there. At least you get two miles, dude. You'll do 22 miles on Healy's. And you did 11 today. Are they legal? I don't know. You probably set a record, though. I mean, by the sound of it, maybe you should have just done a 5K. I've done 5Ks. I did a half. I really want to do the uh, the full. It takes a lot of, you know, it takes a lot of. Uh, it's like running a marathon. Uh, <laughs> like running a marathon, dude. Yeah, man, it's tough. It's tough. Bro, that's why they like. I don't get people that do that stuff, dude. Like, that's why they domesticated horses and like got caught. Like, there's a better way, bro. There's a better way to go that many miles. You know the deal. It's like people who climb Mount Everest. There is nothing at the top of Mount Everest. That, that, that nothing. There's nothing there. But why do you, yeah. why do these people risk their lives to do it? I, I, my theory is you watch that on TV, right? You don't need to. Yeah. <laughs> the way that CGI is these days, you don't have to do any of that stuff, dude. None just get that. into the meta, meta That's marathons. Cool. Yeah. Oh man. Or you could just hop in at the end and take a picture of yourself and put it on Instagram. You could do that. But what good is that? It's not about the marathon, Joe. It's the person you become in preparation for the challenge. You know this. Well, wait, well, is that the person the that asks other people to ask them loaded questions? <laughs> So they can tell you all about their marathon running? Are you yes. that guy? That's funny. I yeah, had you know? coffee with a CrossFit guy this morning. All he wanted to tell me was about CrossFit. I'm like, all right, well, that's cool, dude. You lift up a bunch of tires and shit. All right, cool, man. How do you know if someone signed up for a marathon? Because they'll tell you. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> over and over again. Yep. <laughs> that is so cool. anyway, I'm going to introduce Josh. Josh is going to be our host today. He's going to... He's going to ask all the questions, and we promise we will uh, we'll answer them honestly and uh, and have some fun. So, Josh, what's yeah. up, man? Nothing, guys. Thanks for having me on, and 
I'm gonna I'm gonna try my hardest to embarrass both of you. So let, we'll, I just want to know origin stories. Let's start with an origin story. Your career, how you started. It all started in Upper Darby, right, Ken? You, so you want you want me to go first? Yeah. Yeah. So I grew up in Upper Darby. Three brothers, single mom. We were all a year apart. If one of us had a bad idea, the other three asked what time we were going to do it, and uh, we we were. We were nuts. We were a pack of wild idiots. And uh, God bless my mom for, for keeping us uh, out of trouble as best she could, you know. But, uh, but yeah, grew up in Upper Darby, graduated in 96 and uh, went on to Penn State. Penn State begrudgingly accepted my application for school. I really, I mean, I was an okay student, but, you know, I wasn't... <laughs> What do they call that? <laughs> Magna cum laude? I wouldn't be. Yeah. I don't think you can spell that, bro. <laughs> so, I think uh, you had to hit a quota. Yeah. <laughs> so many they upper Darby for, they have a chub, Apparently, they have a chubby white quota. <laughs> yeah. mold, so. That's it, dude. But anyway, they made me take 30 hours of English and 30 hours of math the summer before freshman year in order to let me in. So, well, yeah, I, I must have somehow. I've had to fit some, some model. Haven't you been speaking English your whole life? It was English as a first language. (laughs) (laughs) So, so I waited, of course, till the last like two weeks of the year. You know what I mean? Kind of like my marathon training. And, uh, and then I, I jumped in. I did my 30 hours. They accepted me and, uh, my college career began. And, uh, when I went up to, uh, main campus, I guess the second year, we went up to University Park. That's when I met Joe. And, uh, and yeah, and, and, you know, we graduated in, in 2000. And my son was born in 2000. And, yeah, but uh, you got to tell him about the hustle, KJ. The hustle. Our, job, our, our uh, Kenny got me a job, part-time job while I was up there because we we're all broke. <laughs> Selling, uh, we sold children's books and coffee to, to people all across the country over the telephone. We were telemarketing. Person to person marketing. Dude, it was the greatest, the greatest sales training I've ever received in my life because you needed to, like, you would push a button and someone would be live on the other line, on the other end of the phone, and you had about 30 seconds to just get this guy to buy coffee or a children's book. And it was, just, <laughs> it was, they it was, said no to the coffee. You said, can I interest you in a children's book? It was. No, but it's true. It's true. It was a crazy, great job. I mean, I, again, I was really barely mediocre at it. And not that Joe needs to have his ego struck, but this dude was a was a, a an absolute master. Uh, on he the paid me in coffee, so I was I was pretty hyped up every day. So, <laughs> guy Gabe was our manager. You remember? Yeah, Gabe yep. and uh, and and every every it felt like every minute Joe was putting his hand up, and they would put another sale on the board. And I would just look over, like, damn, what the hell is this motherfucker doing? Like, how's he doing it? It's hard. It's difficult. But you know what? That experience really carried over later on to prove to be insanely valuable. So at, at this um, point, let's, we graduated, let's, what's that? let's stop. Let's stop for a second. And then let's catch Joe up from his origin to Penn State and selling coffee and children's books. Go ahead, so bro. I wasn't I wasn't much of a student myself. I was more of an athlete. So I went to Cardinal O'Hara, the Lions so I went from Lions to another Lions and uh yeah, met KJ and we just started hustling, like I said. And uh we actually so it was interesting too, because our living arrangements were pretty nuts. We had some mutual friends that liked to party constantly, so that was fun. We got some 
some crazy uh, stories that maybe aren't necessarily the best to share. But I'll uh, tell my 21st birthday story. Yeah, go ahead and lay that one out there, dude. That's so. So it's 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 not that funny, but I we so we obviously the night of your 21st birthday, you get all banged up, you go out, right? So we go out midnight, April 28th, 19. Yeah, was it uh, 1999? I think we went to uh, I don't know. I think the G Man, the saloon. And then uh, we headed over to Zeno's. And uh, for those of you, I don't know if Zeno's is still there. I know the G-Man's long gone. We went over to Zeno's, and that was a, it was a basement bar. So you get down the steps to get in. And uh, the bouncer, so I'm with all my friends. They're all in front of me. They all go in. And the bouncer took one look at me. And his, in his summation, I was not capable, I guess, of, of enjoying the rest of the night without hurting myself. So he decided he's not going to let me in. So I said, why not? And he said, because you're too intoxicated. And I said, I beg to differ. And uh, I felt the best way for me to prove that I wasn't too drunk was to punch the window out. I thought that was like, look, it, would I punch a window out if I was not drunk? I, so next thing you know, <laughs> I got bouncer on top of me. You know, cops are on the way. It was a mess. The ambulance comes. My good friend Chris Hurtel, God bless him, was like, deny the ambulance. Deny the ambulance because he's... He's smart. He knows. He knows how much money that shit would cost a college kid who doesn't have, you know, really good insurance. So I deny the ambulance. I wrap my hand up and go home. Well, unbeknownst to me, I lose my driver's license then. Shocker, right? Can't find it the next day. Everybody wants to go out. I look around. I can't find my driver's license anywhere, right? So now I got to go to Center County DMV and get a new driver's license, get a new picture taken. Now you can imagine how hungover I was. Driving out to Center County DMV, my hair was a mess. My uh, my face was all puffy. I mean, I was I was a mess, and that was my picture for the next four years on my driver's license. Right? It's only gotten worse too. It's only gotten worse every every four years. My license gets worse. So so Joe, so 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 somehow I, comes across I, my driver's I, license. I think I don't remember exactly how I got it, but I happened, I was a bouncer at one of those bars. Like I was a bouncer at the Rat Scholar. So I don't know if somebody had it or whatever, but I, I came in possession of Kenny's ID. At the time, I wasn't 21. I'm, I'm a lot younger and better looking than Kenny. So <laughs> I took, so, and I had a different ID, but so for the next couple of nights, I would go out and I would tell everybody that I'm Kenny Jordan. And it pretty much gave me the license to do whatever I wanted and stay college because if I got caught, then he would get in trouble. So there was some pretty... Uh, and and I, I mean, if you remember back then, if it, swiped, if it swiped, it was good. They didn't really... I mean, they looked at the picture, but all they cared about was, did it swipe, you know? And if it swiped, you're good, you know? Yeah. Yeah, so this, this little prick ran around... Sully and my name all over state college. <laughs> so we graduate from Penn State and, you know, my son's about to be born and uh, I need a job in the worst way. I can't just, uh, you know, I, I, I can't waste any time. So uh, let me, So, were you married? No. So weren't married yet. Son's on the way. I still had a semester left of school. I'll be honest. I mean, I, I started, so I had to get a job before I even finished school. I came back and I finished at Penn State Delco. Joe calls me up and says, I got this job. He, he graduated a semester before me. I got this job at Yellow Book USA. I said, what kind of job is it? He said, we're selling yellow page ads. I'm like, what? Yellow page ads? Who the hell wants to sell yellow page ads? He's like, no, 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 you don't understand. 
we get a $40,000 base salary plus commission and I'm selling the shit out of it. And I'm like, okay, I'll listen. So he tells me all about it. I'm like, you know what? That's the job I want. So I, I, I interview I, with the same headhunter. Meredith was her name. Do you remember her? Wow, yeah. Meredith gets me the interview. We're walking down the driveway at Pond's Edge Drive. I'm walking with uh, Michael. Stefan. Michael Stefan. And tell him, I'm like, hey, you know, I really want this job. But I haven't graduated from college yet. And he's like, why are you even here? I said, because I, I need this job. I want this job. So I tell him. So, uh, so I, I go to, uh, I go to Chris Hallbach and I interview with him and told him the same thing. And he said, you know, is your dad around? It was a weird question to ask. I said, yeah, I mean, he's around. I think he lived in Virginia at the time. And he goes, cause if you don't finish school, if I hire you and you don't finish school, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to kick your ass if your dad doesn't. And I was like, all right, I, I could dig that. I appreciate that. Now, so I went to my class. All my professors said, look, I got to start working. My son was just born. I need a job. So it was no September, October of that year. And I start working a yellow book full time while, while, you know, having like 12 credits left or I think it was 12 credits left at Penn State. And, uh, we're going through training, which was up in King of Prussia in, and it's intense training. They put you in an apartment for two weeks and for two weeks, you know, you're studying. And of course you're going out and I guess, you know, having fun, but not me, of course. I had to study for my finals at the same time that I was studying for this product, doing this product training. And every day we'd go into these classrooms and we would, we would learn the scripts, learn the scripts, learn the scripts. And then at the end of the two weeks, you had to give a presentation in front of a camera where you had to overcome all the objections and you really had to, to know your shit. And at the same time, I'm studying for my finals. And when I finished my, uh, with Megan, Megan Hickey, I finished my presentation, my, my recorded script training. And she said, that was fantastic. And I said, great. I got to leave. I got to go take two finals. Went, took the two finals. It was probably the craziest two weeks of my life. Yeah. And then I went back and, uh, and told my manager who didn't know at the time that I needed Friday off because I had to go up to Penn State and, uh, and, and graduate. And, uh, it was pretty, I mean, like, you know, we talked in the last thing with Mason. If you, you know, sometimes you got to be naive. You really do got to be naive because if you knew how hard shit was going to be on the front end, you'd probably opt out. And I had no idea how hard it was going to be. In hindsight, I recognized how hard it was going to be. I realized how hard it was while I was going through it. But, uh, but man, it was, it was, it, it set me up that that, that level of adversity and struggle set me up for, for years of success later because, you know, it was, it was, it was tough, you know? Yeah. So, so then we end up at Yellow Book. Tell them about Yellow Book, Joe. It was, Probably the other, I mean, everything sort of dovetailed into each other. Our, our telemarketing, selling coffee just translated so well into selling anything because when you're on the phone in, in that in the situation where you're basically calling somebody that hasn't, you know, they're in the middle of dinner. They don't give a shit. They're not trying to, but it really tunes you into just being able to pick up on nuances and little cues and inflections in people's voice and you do it in such a such a elevated situation where you only have like a small period of time so getting the yellow book they kind of took i had that background you know our idea or skill set that i was developing and then they just had this crazy training of basically anything you could think of they're like all right well so this is what happens on this sales call and so it was really we became a master class in, in sales and ultimately the sales is, just became like how to really read and listen to people, which then just turned into the Kenny and Joe show 
really because uh, we had because it, it just it yeah. got fun because we were good at it and the whole situation was you get these two alpha males that are young kids that are out to prove something and then they unleashed us on the great state of delaware and a little bit of elkton maryland and we went into every single solitary business and Dressed just, to the nines. Yeah, we could. I didn't have a pot to piss in, but I had a super nice suits. And when we walked into those businesses, they thought that you know Gordon Gecko was rolling through, even though you know. But uh, it was amazing, and it really like being in and out of the small business and actually sitting down with them and listening to what they're going through, and you know, taking the time to say like, all right, this is more than just putting a cartoon in a book. How can, where's your business struggling? What can we do to help? Like, obviously, more leads are better and getting you more business and increasing the bottom line is going to help. But sometimes you hear, well, dude, I can't take business because I can't hire people because all my staffs are drunks. They're like, you know, my, my main foreman just got a DUI and like all the stuff that when you think of going through college and business school and stuff like that and, you know, all the textbook stuff doesn't really hit home until you sit with somebody who's poured their heart and their money and their dream into this business and all of the things that just come with it that can derail it. And you're sitting and, you know, it's eight o'clock at night and you're on their sofa in some, you know, row home in Newark, Delaware, and they're pouring their heart out because they're like, I just need to make this work. I need money. And at the time, the Yellow Pages was that was the biggest, that was the only ticket in town, really. I mean, you know, if you wanted people to call you for leads, people picked up the my phone. Favorite, my favorite objection back then was, uh, you know, the internet was just coming out. And it would be like, wow, I just got a website. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, website. So if my, uh, my pipes are leaking at 3 o'clock in the morning, I'm going to run downstairs and boot up my computer to find a plumber. No, I'm going to go yeah. to the yellow pages. I'm going to find my oh. plumber. Boy, was that short-sighted. Yeah. <laughs> they, you know you what? I think about AOL that. To, to... Yeah, wait for, wait for dial-up. <laughs> Just make sure no one calls you when you're trying to do it because you'll get kicked <laughs> off your phone line. It was serendipitous for like my career because this is right when the internet came out and you know, the, the whole yellow book was transitioning from print to online. And a lot of the, every, the whole thing was shifting for hundreds of years. People use the phone book and now it was like, well, we have this other thing going on. And uh, yeah. it was amazing to watch it just develop kind of right in front of me. And it was this, so the core of it is lead generation for small business. And that doesn't change. It's pretty so what did, what did you two do together after yellow book? After well, yellow book. Actually, so I got in the mortgage business and uh, Chris Howell, or no, it was uh, Ed Machovic, I think, says to me, you do realize that the uh, mortgage industry is pretty volatile. And I'm like, well, you know, I'm going to give it a shot. Like inside of two years, the yellow book was out of business. Uh, and, uh, and, and here we are in what seems to be a pretty volatile industry, honestly. <laughs> But it is what it is. You know, I'll tell you what's funny though. When we were at Yellow Book, we were, we really did well. We, we, we sold, we were efficient. Instead of, you know, these guys would go out on the street and would go door to door to door to door to all these businesses to try and get appointments, which was the model. And that's fine. But because we had that telephone background, instead of going to businesses, we would just park behind the Wawa on, on Route 1. We would make about 25 phone calls a piece. We'd land three or four appointments. We'd go out. 
We'd sell the appointments and then literally dick around for the rest of the day. Like we'd go bowling, we'd take like three hour lunches and we would have all this extra time because we were, we were working the phones instead of, instead of actually going door to door. So when they, when they see our numbers, they actually invited us to, to what they call a SWAT team. Now that's where they take these reps and they send them to a market that's struggling, right? Like for instance, Pittsburgh, where the book wasn't going to hit its number and they needed help. They needed so other reps. They have deadlines too, because they yeah, have deadlines. So it's you know, yeah. they got deadlines to print. If you don't hit the deadline, it is what it is. You know, it's like a plane taking off with an empty seat. So they asked me and Joe to go out to Pittsburgh. Now, if you don't, if you think we were alpha, you know, ego maniacs to begin with, try telling us we need you to go to Pittsburgh. We're going to call you a SWAT team to go rescue this book. Like you couldn't, like <laughs> honest to God, we were we were unstoppable. You know what I mean? At that point, we're like, okay, that sounds like a plan. So we go out there and we had a blast. We did. We sold the hell out of the book. Me, you, and Mike Rowe. I I think. Not to toot my horn, but I believe, if memory serves me correctly, I sold, within the second day being there, I sold double what the entire office's quota was for the whole year. I did it in two days. Was that Pittsburgh Paint and Glass? No. So what happened, it it was an attorney who bought the back cover. Yeah. And I called them. I called their office and I got, you know, the gatekeeper or whatever. I forget the guy's name, but I was like, hey, is Mike there? And she's like, who is this? I'm like, this is the guy that's got a foursome ready to go. We need one more. If he's in, let me know. If not, like, I don't care, whatever. But he's going to be pissed if you don't put him through. And she's like, okay. So then I get the guy on the phone. And he's, you know, he's one of these big time personal injury lawyers that has every billboard and bench and all this. And I was like, hey, man, I'm like, I got the back cover of the phone book for sale. Somebody just dropped out. Do you want it? Which was Sort of true, but uh, he's like, <laughs> he's like, yeah, come on over. So I got, a, I just hopped, drove over, went up to this huge, you know, the big cathedral buildings in uh, Pittsburgh. He had like the top floor. I go in this huge, huge conference room. He's like, all right. He's like, where's the back cover? I'm like, it's actually the inside of the back cover, not the actual back cover. And he's like, he said, you said the back cover. I'm like, this is the back cover. I'm like, if you want the actual, like the outside of the back cover. This is the line you need to get in to get that. So if this guy drops off, you'll get it. And uh, I think he took pity on me. He just kind of like shook his head and he's like, ah, like, all right, how much? He wrote a check for the whole thing right there. He's like, here you go. Which is rare. uh, Then he took, yeah, I mean, we're not talking, we're talking yellow page money. It was probably 80 grand or 90 grand, something like that. He just wrote a check. So then we're finishing up the paperwork and all this. And he takes me in his office. He's like, you know, he's like, I just hope he's like, I just, if you ever go to law school, I think you should. He's like, I never want to face you in court, man. I was like, all right, well, whatever. I don't think that's going to happen. So we're good. But. The next year, they take us to Cincinnati. We did well in Pittsburgh. Then they sent us to Cincinnati, right? And Cincinnati was crazy. Probably even a little bit crazier than Pittsburgh. Going out, having fun. So the one night. You knew what to expect, too. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, yeah, same thing. Walk in. We're like, all right, we're a SWAT team, you know. Get out of our way. Like it was, it was so bad. So Joe, tell, so the one night we're driving home, we realized we don't have any money for the cat. Right. So, and it wasn't, there was no Venmo. Right. They didn't take credit cards and cabs then. So Joe says, yeah, I'm going to, uh, I'm going to, I'm going to start a fight. And then 
and then we'll, we'll, but when we get close to home, we'll start this fight, and then he won't even want us in his cab, and he'll, he'll kick us out, and if we're close enough, we'll just finish the walk. I'm like, all right, that's, in hindsight, that is, that is a ridiculous idea, but I'm like, let's go, that'll, that'll work. <laughs> so, so I'm in the front seat, Joe's in the back seat, we start your chap, you know, chap, chirping at each other, and then next thing you know, we're going at it. It's a, it's a, it's a full on WWE style fake fight, but we're trying to do everything we can to make it look real. And this guy's screaming at us and he's like, you gotta knock it off, knock it off. <laughs> Joe's got the seatbelt wrapped around my neck. That was the move. That was the move. Like, take <laughs> the seat I'm like, I got my feet up on the windshield. I wrapped it, you know, like, uh, with Godfather style. Get it around. <laughs> so, so wait, wait, wait. So Joe takes a full swing at me. And connects, hits me. That in the is not accurate. Yes. That's exactly true. It was a love tap. No, no. He clipped me in the eye, right? We get to the hotel. We roll out of the cowering like a child. But go ahead. We get to the hotel. We roll out of the cab. And we are finishing out this this uh, scene. It's finishing the scene. And he pulls away. So it, it flat out worked. Like this guy wanted these maniacs out of his cab. He pulled away. So not, I mean, he did, he did come back. <laughs> they were looking for us. But anyway, long story short, now I got a black eye, right? <laughs> so the next day we're in the office and people are asking what happened and I'm downplaying it, right? I'm like, ah, you know, no, no big deal. I just, I just my face. I, I don't know. I, I was just, <laughs> I, mean, avoiding, I, mean, right? I got to the office before Kenny. That might have been it. planted the seed that Kenny may have like, beat up a bunch of people the night before because he's got a really bad temper and like things set him off. So you have to, and mind you, we had just gotten to this office. So like nobody really knew us. They kind of heard about us or whatever. So like the, the Delco boys are in town. Yeah. I, knew, I knew Kenny would be coming in with a shiner and people would be asking. So I figured I'd, I'd kind of cut it off at the pass and just start a rumor that Kenny's, Kenny's incredibly violent. So I didn't tell Kenny this either. No, uh, I had no idea that this was yeah. that this rumor was going around the office, and I sensed that people were acting weird and like getting out of my way and shit. <laughs> but but it turns out it was uh, it was all because they were under the impression that uh, yeah that, uh, that I kicked some guy's ass the night before. You know, it was totally so, false. I mean, th these stories are amazing, and I know there's a lot more. So I think what we should do is have a have a part two of this. But one thing I want to do is add in some of some of the hijinks that you guys have been kind of known for and something that kind of relates back to our la last guest you guys had, Mason. Mm -hmm. So we're going to play a, a recording of a prank call that you guys did to Mason. Nice. You guys will love it. I thought it was a, I thought it was great. Um, I'm not going to give any away. No spoilers. But but yeah, I hope you enjoyed the BS here and, you know, maybe we'll, uh, maybe we'll do it again. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, hey, look, if you're going to do it, you got to have fun along the way, right? Absolutely. And you guys sure did. Cool. Well, Joe, I appreciate your time as always. Josh, Thank thanks you. for hanging out with us and we'll see everybody on the next episode of Selling the Dream. Thanks for listening to Selling the Dream. We know you don't want to miss a single episode, so go subscribe today wherever you get your podcasts. And then make sure to share the show with your friends and leave us a review.